Welcome to the Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas and at least one good story. Episode 66, the MV Polaris, Svalbard, where Liz is going on an Arctic expedition. Today, before we get started, I have exciting news. In three weeks, we're going to have our first live show, Sunday, October 1st, in Chicago. More details soon. Liz told me something that I found fascinating just before we recorded. She said that I don't sound American. Literally. That I sounded like I learned English in a second language school, speaking in a clipped, simplistic way. Maybe that's because I've always taught English as a second language. Maybe her accent triggered my instinct to make sure she could understand me. Maybe it's just my natural shyness. Or maybe that's one way travel has changed me. Maybe. So my first question is always a little strange. Can you describe your appearance for my audience? Okay. <laughs> what so do you look like? I'm a woman of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a medium height. Um, I'm wearing fairly casual clothes, so I'm in a sophisticated city. It is quite sophisticated, isn't it? It is sophisticated. And I feel it's full sheepish of walking Very around. beautiful people. And the clo- clothes in the shops are all coloured for blonde. They're all yeah, pale blue. And It's true. I didn't yeah. think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, so can you describe where we are? We're sitting in front of the central station, which is a hive of activity. All sorts of sea of humanity scurrying along like lemmings to catch trains, to drag suitcases off to their cheap digs, to beg, to bask, to take photographs of themselves, to talk to us, (laughs) Um, to take pictures of the tiger, selfies, catch buses, everything's happening here. Very good. And I should say we're in Oslo. We're in Oslo. Oslo, Norway. So... What are some of your impressions of Oslo? You've already shared a lot, but... uh... My impression was very positive. I came in here and I thought, this is my kind of city. It's not too big. It's got a lot of historical architecture. It's got a a strong personality. It doesn't look like every North American city, which is where I'm living at the moment. Um, So it's very distinctive. I don't know really enough about other Scandinavian countries to get a feel for them, but this is what I imagine a Scandinavian city should look like, and I've got, it's got a really good vibe. <laughs> it really does. It's hard to put your finger on it, but... Yeah. I mean, I had a bad experience here, but I'm coming around to it again. <laughs> uh, and I have to get this out there. Why are you here? You're on your way to something amazing. I'm... I'm traveling here and I've stopped in Iceland for a week. I'm going to an adventure um, off the coast of Svalbard, which is a series of islands off the Norwegian coast. It's three hours flying time away, three hours 40 or something, which is longer than it takes 
to fly to Oslo from Reykjavik, <laughs> so it's a long way up the coast, and Spitsbergen is the biggest island, and there I'm embarking on a small adventure ship. <laughs> Do you know and the name sailing of the ship? off, I think it's the MV Polaris, and I think it's got a French crew, and it takes only 12 passengers plus crew and a, a guide who's a, a, I suppose, a naturalist. He's a man who, who's interested in bears, and his name is Rupert. And Rupert is going to, who lives in Maine, is about who's English, um, is going to take us off this ship and we're going to sail wherever we bloody will please <laughs> and we're going to get out into a zodiac and go as close as we bloody will like to whatever we want to see fjords of you know ice breaking into the sea carving into the sea walruses polar bears maybe some whales i don't know we the arctic fox we're and on the hunt for wildlife the northern lights too i'm sure northern lights um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I saw them in Churchill, Manitoba, at will. They were quite rare. I went there in November. Maybe a wee bit early in the winter for Northern Lights, but I'm not sure. I hope. That would be a big bonus. Yeah, yeah. I've never met anyone going on an Arctic expedition before. <laughs> no, well, I come from a place that's near the Antarctic, so I had to come and see the opposite pole. Yeah. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by cold places. <laughs> Have you gone to the Antarctic? No. Okay, okay. I haven't, although I, I did turn down stupidly a chance to fly over it with one of New Zealand's surveillance aircraft to look for um, people poaching our fish. Oh, wow. And I said, no, oh, because I promised my children I was going to take them horse riding. Well, that was stupid, <laughs> but I thought, number one, you never break promises to your children. So I said no to Antarctica, and it was one of the clearest overflights uh, I'd ever, ever had. They could see for 40 kilometres. Yeah. Mm, bad mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're making up for it now. I am. What, what part of New Zealand are you from? I forget. If I, no, I come from Christchurch, which is a city now flattened by an earthquake. All of the places that where the church where I was christened, where I was married, where I buried my parents from is down on the ground. All my parents' houses are down on the ground. There's damage. All my aunts' houses. Nearly all of my relatives' places are gone. But now I live in Wellington, which is actually the place that's going to get the big earthquake. Uh, because that's our capital city. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's always due. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's too bad if it happens. But it is in my DNA to look for things like this nice architecture. Any frill on a building I avoid in case it should fall off on my head. <laughs> it's part of my DNA. Yeah. Can't go into a cinema or any closed place without looking at the roof. Yeah. Were there a lot of earthquakes before in Christchurch? You grew up with earthquakes? Yes, we okay. all had the drills, stop, yeah. drop and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there, there weren't a lot there, whereas Wellington has them. In New Zealand, there are earthquakes every day that are measured. Yeah. Um, wow. And quite big ones. Christchurch has had two since I've been in Oslo. Yeah. Medium size, like threes and fours. Wow. I asked my son, who's living there, he said, oh, not even a tickle. <laughs> If you're in Christchurch now, you know them. You just call it out. Yeah, yeah. And my my friend in Wellington, who's a um, geologist, who's actually a, a East Cape Cape Cod American, a posh American, um, he came to New Zealand to get away from from family expectation and studied science in New Zealand. And he lies in bed and he counts the 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 gap between the first big shock 
and then he counts the rolling and then there's always a shock at the end which is terrifying it's a really wriggly shock and he counts them and says how far away his yeah. wife hates it <laughs> okay so one more piece of information you told me before I started recording that I have to get on and you don't have to talk in detail I don't know what level you uh, you work at but can you describe your job <laughs> I'm a diplomat for the New Zealand government, so my life has been one of spending four years overseas and and then four years at home. So I've been I've had a lot of wonderful travel. I've met a, a lot of wonderful people, um, and over the years, just by accident, my career has sort of gravitated into a security spectrum. So now I'm really worried by what I call all my wars, my refugees, and the state of the violence and the acceptance of violence in the world, so this is what I deal with from the New Zealand perspective. Needless to say, we haven't had a terrorist incident yet, touch wood, um, and my British friends tell me it's not entirely by accident, it's partly because we do have an inclusive society, I hope so. Yeah. Those of us that are just civilians, you know, we long to make an impact on these issues. You're in a position to. Yes. Do you feel like you are That's a That's a terrible question. <laughs> if I say no, I say a 40-year career has been a disaster. And I think it's, it's you can make tiny incremental steps. I mean, I, I go to lots of meetings. Your General Allen, you know, who runs the campaign to defeat ISIS in Iraq, has spoken to me very articulate, you know. I don't know if all of these meetings really achieve any anything, but I know that there are a lot of people with a lot of goodwill who are trying to do things to improve, improve the situation, genuinely trying to. And the Canadian government, which is my host government at the moment, is very concerned about things like child, um, newborn maternal health, and doing a lot of behind-the-scenes good work to help the populations of the world. You know, have clean water, access to healthcare, education, basic rights that are denied a lot of people in the world. So, um, by working together, I think you can do more than working alone. So, I, I hope so. I haven't seen any flagship decisions as a result of my work. Apart from persuading New Zealand's Defence Force to ice strengthen some of our new ships so that we could go down to Antarctica, which is part of our role, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Was it an idealism that drove you to that profession? No, I wanted to travel and have someone else pay for it. Okay. I'm so <laughs> glad I ran into you. You're the perfect interviewee. <laughs> I, this is wonderful. I'm an art student, and when I graduated, nobody wanted female art students, but diplomacy did. So if you want to be a diplomat in New Zealand, it doesn't matter what your degree's in. We've got dentists, um, cardiologists, scientists. I happen to have a degree in languages, but we just want a, a good first degree and a first-class degree. Um, and then we mould you to our liking. I used to do the recruiting for men, fat, so that's part of my spiel. So yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it, it was a career that I thought was more interesting than the other options for a woman at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did it work? Did you, I've had a were you stated in, in travel? Did they send you enough? <laughs> I've been to so many interesting meetings, you know, Ho Chi Minh, you know, China Beach, and I've seen the wreckage of the war. I've, 
Ethiopia. I've been all over the place. I've sat in Her Majesty's uh, box in Covent Garden. I've, I've met I've met Her Majesty at at um, Her Majesty's ball for ambassadors. I've been ambassador in Brazil, which is an absolutely fascinating time. Just last year. And, oh wow! Um, yeah, I've done a lot of fun, fun things and travelled a lot in Asia and Europe and the Americas and had a chance to have wonderful holidays. So yeah, it's yeah. been a great career. I'd advocate it for anybody. Yeah. Two more questions then. Yeah. How, so I'm, I'm curious how travel changes people. How? I think it broadens changes. the mind. I don't think you can... You shouldn't be travelling if you, you remain unaffected by what you see and learn. I think it's lovely. I'm dreading going back to New Zealand, really. Um, Wellington is quite cosmopolitan, but not as much as Auckland, which has now apparently got the second highest ratio of people born outside the city of any city in the world apart from Toronto. So that's a very multicultural city now, 202 um, nationalities there. Um, but yeah, it, it makes me enjoy hearing other people's accents and seeing how they dress and how they behave, how, how they eat herrings for breakfast and, and how they spend their leisure time. I, I think that it makes you open to ideas and I think that's the, the, the benefit of travel. And I think for me, I'm a strong conservationist and I think that seeing the planet that's that's my new shtick is conservation that's what I'm, I'm getting passionate about now they're quite passionate my here yes and I like it I see cars plugged in and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. my son tells me if I plug in my car can he get an old model US gas guzzler <laughs> well, we cancel each other out offset <laughs> and I have trained my office to turn off the lights that's great. By nagging. <laughs> That's great. So, the last question I always end each interview, if I can, mm-hmm. with a great story. What's your best travel story? And if you can, I'd love for you to tell a few. Uh, well, it sounds like you have uh, quite a quite I've, a lot. I've had a lot of wonderful adventures. One of my favorite, my fa- one of my favorite countries was Brazil. Traveling to the Amazon, going out. In, the, in, in at night and um, little canoes, going to the Pantanal, which is the world's biggest wetland there, and seeing things in the dark with a Amerindian guide um, who could just tell every bird from its call, whether it was a toucan or something else. And he saw a giant sloth carrying a baby in the dark when I couldn't see anything, and he showed me caiman and snakes in the water and, and tarantulas crossing the road. I, I found Brazil the most, one of the most interesting countries I've ever been to and what I liked about it was the racial mix. Yeah. Everything from pale Portuguese to dark African, all mixed up, although I have discovered since there's racial discrimination there as well, but as a melting pot of civilization and as a country with a happy aspect. I think that's a great place. It's not a travel story, but it's a travel observation. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think of my travel stories tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> on your trip for the next two weeks while you're yeah. sailing with 12 people, yeah. make sure you tell lots of travel stories. 
No, I think that it could be awful because people will be saying, you know, when I was last in Patagonia, or have you have you done the Paris recently? <laughs> I think I might retreat to my cabin with a book if that happens. Who are these people? I don't know. Are they just people other of money? People? I mean, yeah. yeah, they're all couples apart from me, and then yeah. there's one other singleton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with that. If you find someone that has a good story, pick them out and put them in contact with me. Yeah, you should give me your card. I'm going to take your email yeah. and uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs>Thank you so much to Elizabeth. Of course, uh, I hope her trip to the Arctic was a wonder. She hasn't answered my email since, so let's hope she's not still up there. Something tells me that she's on another adventure by now. Camarón que se duerme se lo lleva la corriente. Which means a shrimp that falls asleep gets carried by the current. That's what's said in the busy streets of Santiago, the capital of Chile, according to Isabella Jande, anyway. Don't forget to check out kiva.org, K-I-V-A dot org, which is one of many places where you can go to draw nearer to people who are different. Thank you to Dana Boulay for her music, and thank you for listening.